All right, well, hey guys, good morning once again, and welcome. Uh, if I missed you earlier, my name is Wayne. I'm the pastor here at Downtown Community. It is uh, great to be with you guys today as we are continuing uh, a series, a three-week series on lament, and we're talking about our need to understand uh, significant events that we've walked through and things that we're struggling with and how God has made us to grieve and lament. And sometimes we don't recognize the significant need for us to do this. And even if it could feel possibly like complaining, there's, there is a place for us to be secure and be free to come and to bring our struggles, especially to God. And so we've been engaging this uh, conversation together. And today's a great place for you to engage with us. We've got a lot of great things going on. At the first Sunday of every month, we do what we call our welcome gathering. That's happening at the end of the service, both here in person and online. You're encouraged to be part of that and to connect. And then I want to encourage you individually just to continue to seek out and wrestle with what does it mean to lament? We have walked through many things this year, and we are still going through them. Collectively, as a world, and in our own cities and where we're at right now, we've had a lot of difficult things to face. It's not been easy. And I believe that we need time. Whenever you walk through something like that in your life, you need time to grieve and lament. Well, how do we do that? What does that look like? And what is the foundation in which we are standing on there? So what does it mean to lament? Well, it can be a place to complain. And that's been a big discussion I know this week in our dinner groups. Uh, where is it a complaint versus lament? Uh, possibly an opportunity to vent. But what, what lament really is, is it, it's an expression of deep pain or sorrow. And many times our complaints are coming out of this deeper place of pain and sorrow. We are grieved. Maybe you've been hurt and you are grieved over something that's happened. Maybe you've just experienced a loss. There's been a death in the family or you've had health issues and you are just suffering and you hurt. But then there's also a side of lament that comes out of what we see, the wrong and the brokenness that we see in our world, in our lives. Maybe it's been done to you or you see it being done to other people, and you're angry, and you're mad at that. And so how do you express that? And we, we lament those things. Those are two big signs of, sides of that. And so when we say and we feel these things, ultimately, you know, we are really angry at God because, we're like, well, God, you're, if you're supposed to be in control, you're supposed to be taking care of this. You're supposed to be doing these things. You're supposed to be helping with this. We've got promises that we've read in Scripture, and so we, we ultimately really are pointing it at him, and then we kind of run into this tension of, do you are you allowed to do that? And so maybe you read a psalm of David where he's like, he's just full out there in his emotions. He's like, I just, these people that have been plotting against me, and I help them out, and then when you know they're doing the opposite to me, he's like, I want you to ruin them. That was his prayer to God. And then he says to God, how long will you be silent? He's saying, where are you? Come and do what you've said you will. Can we do that? And that's what we started with last week. And if you missed it, I go and encourage you to go back on our podcast. It's on our webpage, on our website. You, know, you can listen to that. But basically last week I said, 
You have permission. God has made you to engage him this way. And depending on your background and your history, some of you are like, all right, <laughs> I'm ready to go. I've got a list. And but some of you are like, I can't do that. Are you sure? And we're, we have a tension. We're wrestling with this, and that's okay. But you have permission. We even see Jesus lament. There are, there are specific laments that he says against others. But then he, he lamented to God. He struggled with him. And we see this throughout the Psalms. There's an entire book in the scriptures called Lamentations. It's essentially one long prayer of lament. But God, through Jesus, Jesus came to make a way for us to be with him and to go to him. It says this, it says this in the scriptures in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. It says this high priest, talking about Jesus, this ultimate high priest of ours, understands our weaknesses. For he faced, because Jesus was with us. So it says here, he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And that's key. So it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We need to go to him. So throughout this, I think, you know, maybe some of you are like, this has been good. I've been, I've been complaining to God or about God for a long time. Maybe you're very skeptical and you're just kind of pursuing a religion and you've kind of been angry at God and you're like, I've, I've had my list going. <laughs> but some of you, like I've said, are also on the opposite side of this. And this, this raises tensions in us. And so there's, there's this tension of how free am I? How grace-filled really is God? How much grace do I actually get? Isn't this really a complaint? Am I... Is that, is that a sin against God? Like, does God really allow this? And what we're afraid of is judgment. You're wrestling with how much freedom God has given you. And we struggle with, there's tensions of comparison. So we say, yeah, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not happy, or, you know, I've had this struggle, and I see this happening, but, but there's others in the world that are way worse than me. I've got it better. And we compare. And I'm like, I'm really okay. And that's a tension. Like both of these things, I, I've, we, this has been a big discussion. There's many of you who have come to me with this this week or just through dinner groups and, and conversations there. I think the, the, an underlying thing there, and, and really it's almost like a third third type of tension, eventually, and if you were honest and you really engaged this, eventually you're going to come face-to-face -face with yourself. You're going to come face-to-face -face with who you are. And you're going to be like, I, I messed up. Like you'll complain and then you'll blow it or you'll hurt somebody else or you'll do something that makes somebody mad or, or you'll, just, you'll just violate your own rules. Whatever that is, the lines that you've created in your life that like you think this is good, this is bad, and like you'll, you'll violate your own rules. I do this as a parent. I, 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 you know, my kids are watching today and it's like I, I set things out for them to do and then I don't do them. It's like, well, what do you do about that? You, you're like you're violating your own moral Code. 
How can I bring issues when I'm in issues myself? If I've done these things, if my week went the way that it just did, and I've lived the way that I have, or do you even know what my past is like? This makes it hard. How do you wrestle with this? How do you work through this? And how do you then bring it to God? Maybe some of you are like, I've been ready to complain. That's not an issue for me. And ultimately, you're then ignoring who you really are. You're ignoring this issue, not being willing to face up. So we've got two sides of this. How, how, you know, how, how can we ask, we say from one side, how can I ask or demand justice or be, be complaining or just say, God, I don't like this. I'm struggling with this. Way. How can I do that when I've essentially sinned myself? When I've messed up, I've made mistakes, I've done wrong. How can I do that? Or you might come from a place and say, how can a loving God allow all this sin? How can a loving God allow these injustices that we see in the world? How can God allow this type of evil, this type of pain? How can he allow these wars to go on? If God is really there, then how come that this still continues to this day? God, where are so on one side, we're, we're, how can we pursue this? We're afraid. On the other side, we're angry. And so how do, what, what does this look like? How do we engage God? And, and, and what does this, is God really engaging with us? Do you really have the freedom? And so I want to start with the, the, the second side that I talked about today where we say, you know, where, where is this God, and is there a God that doesn't allow evil? But, but within that, but that, that, you say that, but then you're like, that really doesn't pertain to you. <laughs> when we say, God, where are you? How do you allow this? But then it's like, well, what about you? Like, where is the line in your life, and how does that relate to God? And, and so where are you, like, have, have were you responsible for things that you have done? And so when you have that perspective of God, you have to eventually ignore your own faults and your own mistakes and sin to point out the evil and sin in others. And so you want a God or we want a God to bring justice, but just not for me. Not for me in the things that I've done. And so we just kind of move the line for ourselves. We say, okay, here is this line. I'm sitting in a carpet. I'll say, like, here is this line of, like, what I've decided that is moral, that's good for me. And then look at all this stuff that's happening. And, like, God, like, and so we point to something that's worse. Okay, we're like, this leader is really bad. I'm not naming any names today, okay? All right, but if you have an image in your mind, like, okay, this politician, like, there's or somebody else, and, you know, we... Like, this country is worse. <laughs> and, like, if you've ever had to travel overseas, like, you have people are like, well, you did this, you did this. We're like, what about this person? So you can find something else and say, God, look at this injustice that's happening here. It's so much worse. That's way worse than anything that I have done. And so we move the line for ourselves. We ignore the consequences and the actions of, of what we have done and the things that it has created. And we say, God... 
I can't have a line there. Like if God draws a line for me, then we say, God, you are so rigid. And so we just create this big complex problem. And so really the question is, how good is good enough? Well, here's what the scriptures say. Where is God's line? Well, Romans 3.23, it says this. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says all of us have sinned and all of us fall short of God's glory, his standard, and his perfect status, the morality that he lives in. We cannot attain that. All of us fall short. So I think from one side of this perspective, the response to that is how can God be so rigid? What gave, we say, what gave him the right to draw whatever line this may be? God, what gave you the right to, def- to say what is good for me and my, <clears throat> my morality? Marriage, what I choose to do with my sexual life, with all these different things. You know what? I've got that free will, which you do. So God, how, what gives you the right to draw a line there? And we get angry. It could be anything. How many lies? You know, I didn't do that many. I've been a good person. I've tried very hard. I should be rewarded for that. And I think we're angry. How can God be so rigid about wrongdoing? And what we say is that is not a loving God. And if God were really loving, then he would just look that over. He would just ignore it. That he should just accept everyone. And we say that, but then we also turn around and say, look what has happened to this person over here. That that who the perpetrator needs to be brought to justice. I mean, we, we watch this happen. We see abuse <coughs> in our in our our world, in our own cities, we see people treated wrong. We see horrible examples of racism. We see sexual abuse of people in power and then not being brought to Jesus and justice, and then we burn in anger. Well, how, where's the balance there? How do you balance all this? And to that I say it actually gets tougher. <laughs> Jesus came, and then he raised the bar on where the line was. I don't know if you've heard about or read about the Ten Commandments, whether you've ever believed in God or not. You've, you've probably heard them. You know, do not, do not covet. Do not you know, envy your neighbor. Do not lie. Do not cheat. Do not steal. Do not murder. We're like, yeah, we, we're good with that one. We've heard these Ten Commandments, right? And so Jesus is talking about this in Matthew 5 and 21. Matthew's uh, recorded this for us. He says, and Jesus speaking here, he says, You have heard that it is said, to people long ago, you shall not murder. To which we're like, yeah, we, we're still good with that one. And it says, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Yes. I think that's a line that we can all get a common denominator on, all right? We're all good. We're so good here with that. We're not, I'm scared of you. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, but then Jesus says this. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. 
Jesus is like, you've committed murder in your heart. He's like, that's the same emotion. Did you know that? And, the, and those listening are like, wait, what? <laughs> he goes on to say, he, he gives several examples of this. He goes on to say this. He says, you have heard that it is said you shall not commit adultery. And even today, like our world, like we would, that's a big shocking thing when someone does this, like even now we're like, no, yeah, you shouldn't do that. So he says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is pretty straightforward here. He says, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Which we're like, wow, that escalated quickly. He's like, did you understand how significant sin is? He's like, he's like, we've said the adultery, yeah. But if you look at another one, another woman, like you've you've committed adultery in your heart. Jesus raised the bar, and to which at that point we're all like, this is impossible. We we cannot. Do that. We're trying to lower the bar. Jesus raised it. So we want to define the line. We say, God, how could you be a loving God and, and allow this to happen? But then what about your own life? And then we're like, man, that's too high. God, I don't want you to be that full of justice. And so what is love? Well, love, real love, true love. And, we, and if we think about this, we, we understand this. Real love demands justice. Love demands justice. So when we see someone do something awful to someone, you murder or you lie or you backstab or whatever you can be or someone takes your position and leapfrogs you in the company and they did it immorally and all these different things, like we are burning anger. We're like that person deserve something. We long for justice. And so it is loving to want that. But when it comes to us, we're like, well, <clears throat> maybe some grace. <laughs> Let's lower and move the line. And so when God brings us a line when it pushes against us, our reaction then is, what gives you that right? Because it confronts who you really are because you have sinned. I have sinned. I'm a pastor and I'm broken. I sin every week. Like I just said, I violate my own rules. I do things where I have to apologize to my children and to my wife. And that's not fun. I violate my own moral code. And I feel ashamed over that. I feel the brokenness and the death of what sin brings into my life. Then that's true for every one of us. You've done something to hurt others. You have things in your past that you're ashamed of. And they come up and you remember them in the worst moments. And when life gets hard and your emotions are hit, you make decisions that you are not proud of. And so God is, is a God of love, and he is fully loving. 
And that means that he is also passionate about justice. And God has promised us that he will bring justice. He said this out loud, and, and it was recording the scriptures of Deuteronomy when God was giving instructions. He says, and, and Paul reminded this in the New Testament scriptures. He says this, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. God has promised this for us. And so for you and I, this is, on one side, really good news. This is awesome because God has said no one is going to do these things and get away with it. And there's a lot of injustice we see. There's a lot happening in our country that people have been speaking out of that and say, do we understand all this history of injustice we've, we've, been, we've been watching? And then we get mad when justice isn't happening. But as Christ followers, we know as believers in God, we do have hope because God has promised that no one will get away with that. So that is good news, especially if someone has hurt you individually. The problem is, I've hurt people too. And so we're like, if you think it through, you're like, oh no. <laughs> You've hurt others. We've sinned. We've been angry. You've been angry. You've lusted. You've cheated. You've violated your own roles. You're like, whatever your moral code is, you didn't even follow that. And I think it's so key for us, it's important for us to realize the impact of the decisions that we have made. And so then is the question is, well, how can we ask for and pursue justice if we've done the same thing as well? You know, what do we call that? Someone who's out there Demanding all these things, but then they're doing these things as well. We call that a hypocrite. <laughs> People love to look at the church and they're like, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And the answer is, yep. <laughs> and so then the answer is like, well, then we, we're screwed. And the answer would be yes. Paul summed this up. He says, oh, the Apostle Paul writing in Romans, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I mean, this guy lived in the most significant lives ever. It was used by God in incredible ways. It is still impacting, influencing the world right now. And he's like, who will say, look, what a miserable person I am. But he doesn't end there. And this is what we know is coming. But he says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our And this is why it is so significant of why Jesus came and why he had to come for us and why we talk about it and why we celebrate it and why we're singing about this. We're like, God, I'm, we're giving our lives to you. Yes, I will follow you because you came and you saved me. The answer is in Jesus Christ, that he came and took that punishment. God sent him as a perfect person who, who was above the bar, who did not sin, and took that punishment, the justice that you and I long for and run away from. Jesus took that. In Isaiah, it talks about Christ and what he did. 
He says, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, there it is again, that word all, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, laid on Jesus, the sins of us all. And that is a beautiful, 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 massive statement. The Lord laid on Jesus, put on him. It was in Isaiah 53, it was the will of the Lord to crush Christ, to crush him. He has put him to grief. It gave God pleasure to pour out his anger and judgment on Jesus. When Jesus was on the cross, witnesses saw him and heard him say, God, why have you forsaken me? Because God had to turn his back because he became our sin. He took it upon himself. He received that punishment. He got what you deserve. He got what I deserve. And you get what Jesus deserved. The glory, the righteousness. He got what we deserve, but we get what he deserved. And that is the beauty of the gospel. And you're like, where in the world does this have to do with lament? And I'm, it's, it's all it found massive foundation for us, for real hopeful lament. Listen to these incredible words. Paul was writing to this new church that had started in Corinth. I mean, very shortly after, uh, just a, like 10 years, 20 years after Jesus ascended, after he rose from the grave and ascended, Paul is starting churches and he's writing to them. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, and listen to this statement, we might become the righteousness of God. We might become. You get that. That is grace. That is God's incredible grace. We say and we ask the question, how could I come to God with these complaints? Because you in Christ, if you have believed in Jesus, you have become the righteousness of God. God views you like he views Jesus, him who without sin. You talked about this last week. You've been brought into his family. You're his adopted son and daughter. You're full heirs of his kingdom. And that's why it says in Hebrews, you can go boldly to him. That's his amazing grace. That's why there's that famous song, right? You, you get his forgiveness. You are forgiven for what you have done. He remembers your sins no more. It says that in Christ, there's no one keeping record of the accounts that you've done wrong anymore. When you blow it, when you're in Christ and you still mess up, when I do this every week, there's not this record keeper in heaven. When you have followed Christ and, and, and have him at your life and allowed him to be your savior, that's gone, and that brings peace. God's passionate about justice, but because he's pursued about justice, it allows us to walk into peace. 
how do you find that grace? How do you walk into that? Well, we confess. We own up to who we are in our sin. We confess who we are, and then we believe in Christ, and you make him Lord of your life. Because he gives you that free will. He is a loving God. He's not forcing you to do anything. This is your choice to make, to say, you are my Lord. You are the one God. And that's how we do it. And we get his grace and his grace and his grace over and over and over again. It is unending. And what a beautiful thing. Here's the thing. Ultimately, ultimately, you love a God. You want a God who is passionate about justice, who has a line. You don't want to serve a God where the line moves. No, you want a God who's passionate about justice because it means that everything will be made right. It means that because of what he has done, that you can be made right. You can have that peace. It's not what you've done. It's not anything that you've done. It's a free gift. It's what Jesus did for us. We can't do it on our own. God was merciful and gracious. He sent his son. God is holy. He is on high. He is in control. And we recognize that. And so then we come back to how do we lament? How can we talk to God like that? We don't stand on our righteousness. In Christ, we stand on His. When you fall down, when you blow it, you get up because of His righteousness. And it's crazy. When you really think it through, it's, you think, how can I get up? You get up. Jesus is not sitting there condemning us. He's saying, I died so you can get up. The sin and the death that it brings doesn't reign over you any. I read earlier Romans 3.23, but I didn't read the phrase after that. It wasn't a complete sentence. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Justified. It's as if you've never sinned. That's what that means. Freely by his grace. is our foundation. So I want to end with this. We know, we know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know that God will make it right one day. We know that we can trust him with this. He has promised this and we can put it in his hands. And this changes the game, especially when we have experience injustice and no one confesses and no one is brought to it. God says, I will bring them to it. That's not always easy to do, right? I mean, <clears throat> but this is how we pursue peace in the world. It's how we can deal with injustice. We have, a, we have assurance and we have hope. It's also how we can forgive. It releases that power of bitterness in your life. 
even if someone never says I'm sorry to you, you can forgive because Christ has forgiven you and you can release it to him. Because we have been forgiven, it also gives us these tools to make peace and to seek justice. And there's, for people who are followers of Christ, there's unbelievable examples of justice being pursued throughout this country and this world. We know that we've sinned and we deserve death and hell. We know that that's what we deserve. But we got the opposite. And we want to bring that good news to others. And we also know that God cares about justice. So do we then. Jesus taught us to pray. And when he taught us to pray, he said, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we want to come to God and say, Jesus, you said that. And we're not seeing it. And it's not going to be like heaven. We know it's one day we'll get there. But, but God... We struggle with this now. This person has hurt me, and I don't know why you're not here answering this prayer. And we have all these thoughts, and we can go to God because we've been made righteous by Him. We're secure in our relationship. And so, God, I come before you as you are my God and my Lord. And I say, I don't like what I'm seeing. And we are hurting, and your life matters, and what you've gone through is matter, and you need to grieve that. But you also need to grieve the own, your own sin. Sin is significant. We want to learn to hate sin. God hates sin. We want to learn to hate that and say, God, I want to see this God. And we start with ourselves. And when we start with ourselves, it gives us that strength to go to God about them. So these are three things that we do. One, and this is what I'm going to end with. One, we condemn the sin, not the sinner. We hate sin we want to get rid of it. We don't hate the person. We hate the sin of racism, but we don't hate the racist. We help expose that sin that will lead them to repentance and say, that is wrong. And there's no place for it. And our God is against that. We condemn the sin. appeal to God to bring justice here on this earth. We pray. He's made us a part of the solution and so we appeal to Him and we go to Him and we need to be praying these things. Like I said, there's incredible things that are happening in our world and we look forward to seeing it. He gives us hope. And then we still trust Him even when we don't see it. We're not God. And we trust Him sorry for the things that you've been experiencing. We've all been disrupted. Your life matters and it is significant. And I want you to know that you can go to God, but you can also find peace in your own life. Find His forgiveness. Let's continue to go before Him in this way. I want you to pray with me today. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for these incredible words. And I know this is a lot. I know this is heavy. But God, I pray that we would just know this deeply. I pray today that we would experience your grace. And we would believe in you. I 
pray for those of us who are in Christ that we would walk away from the power of sin and we would stand on your righteousness. God, I pray that we pursue peace and pray for others. God, we pray for the things that are not happening in our country and our cities, for anger, for hatred, for racism, for injustice. God, we pray that you would end that. We don't know how. We pray for restoration. God, I also pray for those that maybe haven't found this peace in you. God, I pray that they would believe in you today. God, we thank you for your incredible love. You didn't leave us on our own, but you 